Hey, so I'm so excited. I want to share with you about one of our new sponsors, Starglow Media. They have this amazing show for all of you with younger kids called Mysteries About True Histories. Every episode follows Max and Molly, who have just been recruited into a secret order of problem solvers and on adventures through time packed with puzzles and hidden equations, histories, and laughs. You all know Alana, our co-founder at Sproutable. She listened to the show with her seven-year-old and loved it. They would pause the show and try to figure out the math problems together, loved learning about different cultures and the histories around the world. The series explores themes like the stories behind math, critical thinking, code breaking, pattern solving, and so much more. Math is geared Math is what they call it. Math is geared towards kids six and over, but can be enjoyed by the entire family. Episodes drop every Thursday, and they're about 15 minutes, perfect length for the car rides, mealtime, break time, bedtime. Each episode is stacked with so much laughter, and your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. So tune into Mysteries About True Histories math with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. Joyful Courage Parenting Podcast, Episode 19. listeners. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm so glad that you're here and I want to give a special shout out to all of you that subscribed in the last week. I think I had a jump in subscriberships, which is exciting, um, especially with the Subscribeathon contest coming up in a couple days this next weekend. So yay you. Thank you. I am honored that you enjoy the podcast enough to subscribe. And that you're excited about the bribes that I put out to get you to subscribe. So good job. So um, today I am talking with my friend and colleague, Monica Holiday Sherman, Dr. Holiday. She is a um, psychotherapist out of Chicago. And her specialty is working with young clients and their families. So she's had experience working in a bunch of different settings. She also is a positive discipline parent educator. And her youngest daughter goes to a French-American school in Chicago. And the reason that I reached out to Monica is because I, like all of you, was really rocked by the news from about a week and a half ago about the terrorist attacks in Paris. I had a sister who had just flown in there that morning and she was on my mind. I have friends who live in Paris and just the shockwave hit. And um, after I kind of, you know, came to a place of weird acceptance, I thought, what am I going to tell my kids? Am I going to tell my kids? What's appropriate to tell my kids? And I just knew in my gut that it was going to be something that I wanted to talk about on the podcast because 
There are a few amazing articles out there, which I'm going to post in the show notes that are helpful. I think that there's a special layer of helpfulness and integration that happens when you hear two people in discussion about a topic like this. And with Monica's ties to the French American school there in Chicago, I thought, you know what? I bet she would be a great person to talk about this topic with. So without further ado, let's meet Monica. Hi, Dr. Holiday. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. Will you please tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Well, I am here in Chicago, far away from Joyful Courage. I am Joyful a... Courage is everywhere. Don't you know? It's <laughs> true. <laughs> I am a therapist in private practice here in Chicago. And I'm also a parenting educator. So I do a lot of parenting workshops and classes. And I live in the city with my husband and two girls and a dog. <laughs> um, and my youngest daughter um, goes to, we have a school here that's a French American school here in Chicago. And um, that is how I found myself sort of involved in this topic and talking to you. Well, and you're a colleague of mine. You're a fellow yes. positive discipline teacher, facilitator. Yeah. Um, so, and that's why I wanted to reach out to you is because I knew that you would have that lens on in conversation around the topic of talking to our kids about the tragic and crazy and violent things that are happening in the world. Um, it's as of this recording, it's been a week since... Um, what went down in Paris. And I know that when I heard about it, it, you know, shocked me and broke my heart. And my sister was actually there and had flown in that morning. So obviously I was concerned about her safety um, and other friends that I have in Paris. You know, my thoughts immediately went to them. What was your initial reaction to the news, especially considering that community, the French American school community that you're a part of? So I have the rather unique situation of being home alone with my husband that night, um, which meant that we didn't have any kids around. And then I was able to have the TV on and obsess a little about following the news, which we'll talk a little bit about later. <laughs> um, but I did immediately start thinking about our, you know, French American community that we were a part of. And later over the weekend, I was asked to weigh in. Um, with the team of people from that school who were preparing themselves for what they knew would be the, you know, reaction on Monday and preparing for Monday's classes. And at some point over the weekend, it was determined that they were going to be observing the one minute of silence, um, mirroring what all the French um, schools would be doing in France the same day, just, you know, a few hours later. And I knew that both teachers and parents were going to need some guidance about how we talk to our kids about this and not just send them into school Monday morning, not having heard anything or having heard different things. Um, so it really helped me to kind of organize my thoughts. And I, I knew I needed to figure out how to talk to my daughter about it. 
um, before she had this really emotional experience of standing in a moment of silence with her whole community. So tell me a little bit about that community. So are the families typically French families or the, there's the staff? Like what is that community like there at the school? Well, like most, um, there's there are these schools are all over the world. They're called lycée, uh, français, and then there's in almost every major city there's one of these schools, and it's really for French expats mm-hmm. that they were originally created. Here in Chicago, we have a mixture of a lot of French families. So both parents are French, and they've just arrived. They haven't been here for very long, and then we have a lot of families who um, have. French culture in their family, so maybe a grandparent or or maybe one parent is French mm-hmm. and one parent is American, and we have just American families like my family, mm-hmm. um, who really wanted to be a part of this um, language immersion program, mm-hmm. and then we have a lot of international families, so families who don't have a French connection but are from other countries around the world. So it is a very international population um, for the families. The teachers and staff are almost exclusively from France. Mm-hmm. And we have over, you know, 200 teacher and staff um, at the school right now. It's pre-K all the way through high school. And so wow. it's a big community. A lot of them are from Paris. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of them, you know, obviously still have family um, in Paris or in France and go back. So so the community was reeling, really, mm-hmm. from these events. Mm-hmm. So, And so you're talking about, you know, you're in preparation as far as thinking about your own daughter, knowing that this moment of silence, this minute of silence was coming, knowing that there was gonna be conversation um, at the school, simply because of the context that it's a French American school. Uh, Why do you think think it's important for parents to talk about these events with their kids when they can kind of, They, they could kind of pass the, the torch on to the schools and let the schools deal with it. What is your take on, you know, do we wait and let them come home from something like that with questions or do we check in with them? What do you think beforehand? Well, I think, I think a few things. I think that the school community being a part of this is a really important um, piece because Whenever there is a global event or national event, you know, we know um, that naturally existing support systems, so things like your, any community, your church community, your school community, you know, those have a buffering effect. And so it is really important to have the, the community be a part of the response. And that's, you know, how kids feel safe is, is knowing that they are supported and surrounded by people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for our school, it was it was clear. I knew there was going to be this moment. So for me, I knew I had to talk to my daughter about it. But I think for all parents, that is important to talk about events like this that are big enough that is likely they're going to hear about it mm-hmm. um, before they go to school. Mm-hmm. And I say that because I really think that parents are the single most qualified person to talk to their children about events like this and I think that because it's about your relationship with them so because you have a connection and relationship with your child you're more likely to be able to respond and really listen to what they are saying and listen and tune into their feelings right there's no one right way to do this um, 
and it's less about the facts. I think, you know, a lot of parents get hung up on this idea of like, they, I don't really understand exactly the political implications and everything and how to talk about it. And that's not really what it's about. And we're going to talk a little bit about how to approach these conversations. But I think just the idea for parents that you are qualified, you're qualified to talk to your child about this because you have the relationship with them. Yeah, we'll talk a little bit about that dance between because I know that I know that conversation around like, I don't really know how to explain the political part of it um, at an age appropriate level to meet my 10 year old. And I also notice and have read too about that typical reaction. We want to protect them, you know, like what about their innocence? You know, I know that I have a 10 year old who it gets really, you know, anything we can't watch scary or even like slightly scary movies or read books that are high intensity because he immediately goes to that could happen to me. So talk about the dance that we do between too much and not enough information. What should parents be considering? And I hear you saying being in relationship with our kids, but even in that relationship, we're the experts and, you know, and this is a really big, heavy topic, right? So how do we, what do we do there? I think one way to think about it is to think about all the other really tough, uncomfortable topics that we have to talk to our kids about as parents. Mm -hmm. And that we know that avoiding those sends a message to kids that it's not okay to talk about this, right? Mm. So we can think about sex, we can think about drugs, we can think about some of those big topics. And if, you know, if we don't talk about it, then there is this message that questions aren't welcome. And I'm not the person to come to to talk about this. And so this creates what um, there's there's a woman who at Purdue who's done a lot of research on this, um, Judith Myers Walls, and she calls this the cycle of silence. Mm -hmm. So I think about it as like the zone or, you know, cone of silence that, you know, we sort of get ourselves into without really thinking about it because we're so uncomfortable about how we're going to bring this topic up. And should we although they think, mm-hmm. should we wait do we wait until until the kids say hey i want to talk about this i mean i know you know i know the answer to that <laughs> as far as <laughs> well, sex and drugs and rock and roll goes but yeah. you know these kind of big violent scary world events um, I know that we follow their cues, right? We follow their cues. Does that mean that we wait to bring it up until they have an interest in talking? Or is this, hey, this is something that's happening and I want you to know that I'm available if you want to talk? I think that does depend somewhat on the community, but I really do think that you can assume in most parts of this country that they've heard something about this. Mm-hmm. You know, our... 24-hour, you know, media cycle and social media and all of that really means that, um, you know, even tweens, right, are going to be exposed to this in a way that you might not think. Um, and younger kids too; they it just trickles down. And so, one of the best ways that a lot of people have been talking about starting this conversation is just to ask kids, "What have you heard? Mm-hmm. What have you heard about the Paris attacks?" What have you heard about terrorism? Mm-hmm. Um, and and that really is, I think, for starting starting with kids about eight and up, 
Mm -hmm. that that is a really great place to start um, the conversation. But I really think we can assume that most people are are hearing something about it. And Mm -hmm. um, that's what we kind of want to get ahead of it or, or open up the conversation anyway. Right. So one of my podcast listeners, when I mentioned that I was going to be talking to you, I kind of want to stay with this age appropriateness and Mm -hmm. and, um, inviting conversation. So her question was around the subtleties of age appropriate discussion. So her kids are three and five. And she she says, I realize my discussion would be much different than when you talk to older kids about it. Is there, I mean, age appropriateness, yes, but is there really any reason to be bringing these things up to a three or a five-year-old? If their community is not one, if it's not showing up in their, you know, community, what do you think? If they're not directly impacted, then my answer is no, I don't think so. Um, It is not likely that they are going to understand. Um, And the things that three, four, five-year-olds don't understand, they fill in with magical thinking. Mm. And I'm not sure if you or listeners have seen the video of the little boy in Paris who was interviewed with his dad. I think he was three years old. And um, he was trying to work through and process the information, you know, while on camera and while, you know, talking into this mic. And he made an assumption that because of the violence, and he was very close to the to the attacks, he said, well, we have to move, right? Mm-hmm. So he made an assumption and filled in that he was pretty sure that because of what has happened, he was going to have to leave his home. And that's the kind of things that will happen with, with a child who's really under the age of um, five. They don't have the same, you know, cognitive capacity that we do. They just don't have the, the context to put these events in. And that being said, for those children who are in France, who are really faced with this, they are having to figure out ways to talk to the younger kids about this. Um, for, for any child, though, I think it's really important to protect them from any of the images. Yeah. From any of the media and any of the pictures, even the newspaper, you know, um, you know, just a simple, you know, make make sure you always turn the magazine face down, turn the newspaper face down, just, mm-hmm. you know, keeping those things out of their field of vision. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I'm going to put, um, I just found that video and the okay. um, article around it too. And so I'm going to have a link to that in the show notes just for the listeners to know. Um, yeah. And what is the internal process? So you talk about that magical thinking um, so when I was a classroom teacher, I was a classroom teacher when the 9-11 tragedy happened and I listened to it on the way to school. Um, as a staff, we actually had the TV on. The kids weren't at school yet. We watched one of the towers fall um, mm-hmm. and then my kids showed up and clearly they had been watching the same news footage and these were first or fourth graders. And I had a couple boys and all they wanted to do all day long was build towers and knock them over. You know, and I was like 25 years old and thinking, oh my God, this is so freaking disturbing. I couldn't, like I just really was uncomfortable with it. And you know, some of the comments of the kids and some things that I've heard from other people just since Paris are, yeah, my 
the kids that I work with or these kids in this group or that group are being really inappropriate. And I think that there's something to be said for when we can't process information. You know, like you and I know in our classes, we ask parents to do really uncomfortable role plays. And what do they do in those role plays that are really heavy? They laugh. Laugh. Right. And so I think that the same I'm I'm wondering and I'm curious what you would say to that same or similar responses in kids when when the facts are so beyond their capability for making sense of, you know, how, what are some ways that um, meet the meaning making manifests for young kids so that, you know, parents and teachers and people that are listening in on this can feel less disturbed Hey, everybody. Listen, I'm so excited to give you an update on Songfinch. Songfinch delivers. I shared last month that I was going to have them create an original song for Ian, my graduating senior. Well, the song is done and the process of co-creating it with the artist on Songfinch was so cool. I got to provide details and ideas and then the musician of my choice wrote up the lyrics, put it to the music that I picked, and the results are so cool. I can't wait to surprise Ian with it. I will be sure to record it and share it with all of you. Songfinch is an innovative service that lets you create an original radio quality song inspired by your own life and the people you love. It's completely unique, personal, and it lasts forever. After moving through their process, you get the final results in four to seven days. For a limited time, Songfinch is letting our listeners upload their song to Spotify for free. So you and the lucky person you gift it to can listen to it anywhere, anytime. Whether your song is for Father's Day, an upcoming graduation, wedding, or anniversary, or even just a gift to show your loved one how much you care. Start your song now to lock in one of Songfinch's top artists. Go to songfinch.com slash joyful and start your song. After you purchase, you'll be prompted to add Spotify streaming for your original song for free, which is a $50 value. Again, my URL is songfinch.com slash joyful. Don't forget to share your song with us too. songfinch.com slash joyful. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Thank God spring into summer is my favorite time of year. After turning 50 last September, I've been really working on my physical health and well-being and can honestly say that I am feeling better in my body than I have felt in a very long time. Yes, credit goes to movement and working out, but even more credit goes to how I'm feeding my body. That's why I love Factor. I fuel up with Factor's no prep, no mess meals, 35 different meal choices, and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. I always have a new flavor to explore. It's amazing. You can crush your wellness goals this May, keep time in the kitchen to a minimum, and enjoy effortless support for the lifestyle you want to be living with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust from Factor. Head over to factormeals.com slash joyful50 and use the code joyful50 to get 50% off your first First box plus 20% off your next month. That's code joyful50 at factormeals.com slash joyful50. Again, that's 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month 
while your subscription is active. Yes, yes, yes. Join me. Join me in the health revolution and feel really good this summer. You know, than I did watching those kids knock down those block towers. I, I think it's it's so hard um, because I think it makes us feel uncomfortable because we're processing it in our own way. But yeah. play is their way of processing. Mm-hmm. And, um, but again, I think there's there's two things to say here. I think that the play can be directed to a place that can be more helpful to both them and to you. Um, and also that in those situations, it still is about connecting to the emotion, right? So the kid who's building a tower knocking down, he's, he's having some emotion, right? It's either fear or anger. And getting to that as the adult with him to process that, I think, is the direction to go. And I think that can happen really easily after you maybe join the play. And I think I... Um, I wrote this that, you know, there's no need to abruptly stop something like that because I think that then just, you know, as we know, points attention to, oh, wait a minute, this got their attention. Um, and because they will pick up on your sort of sense of fear of this is scary, this is something you shouldn't be doing, this is bad. Um, but to get involved in the play and kind of direct it towards something else. So I've read some people suggest, you know, let's, you know, fix lunch for all the, um, ambulance guys, you know, mm-hmm. let's direct um, the play toward the people on the scene who need help, you know, then mm-hmm. you just direct it toward the more safe kind of comforting places. And that's, yeah. again, where the kids really need to go is because they need to feel that sense of security and comfort from the adult. And that's probably right. what they're asking for with the play. Right. And there's that great um, Fred Rogers, is it Fred Rogers? Mr. Rogers? Yeah. Mr. Rogers, Quote around, you know, when there are big tragedies like this, to look for the helpers. Yeah. And and perhaps that's a place to look, to have conversation too, is yes, there are people that are hurtful in the world. And there are way more people that are out there doing what they can to help. Um, something else that I'm seeing in a lot of or in some of the articles that I'm reading as well is kind of similar to what you're saying about like what can we do for the helpers, but any sort of small memorial. What do you think about that? I'm sure at the French American school, you guys must have there must have been some sort of project like that where, you know, a memorial must have been set up or something. But, you know, even for us, well, I don't have any French family. French culture is not a part of our life, but I could see how just doing something, even if it was, you know, just for my family, not necessarily out in the world, I could see how that could bring some comfort as well. What do you think about that? Absolutely. And I think, so at our school, the kids of all ages did different things. And that is one of the big recommendations is to have some sort of action to be able to Mm -hmm. take with, um, with your child or children. And, um, I think for the older kids, you know, that, that is really the place to go. Um, so, you know, once kids kind of are eight, you know, in that kind of eight to 12 age range, they, um, they can think a lot more about the things that happened in the way that we assume they, they can. Mm-hmm. Um, they also, at that age, have really big imaginations. 
and that can make them feel a little bit more scared by some things but that imagination can be channeled into you know making a card writing a story um mm. you know collecting money to send you know they they have big imaginations and they can come up with really big projects to do to channel right. their energy and for teenagers it's absolutely something great to do um, to channel their energy into that as a family, I think there are things that you can do that are really, um, it could even just be private, right? They're just about your family values or um, I think a lot of um, recommendations have been toward getting into nature and for all kids, you know, physical exercise is always, you know, mindfulness, all those things that um, maybe aren't even a part of your routine, but can be a special event, um, something just to help people feel kind of grounded. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about routine because that's also showed up in most of the articles that I've read. Um, and it makes sense, especially in the context of safety and security, because I think that ultimately, you know, that's at the heart of and at the core of our kids' meaning making is this this question of, well, am I safe? Yeah. Right. Am I going to be safe? And when they don't feel safe, all sorts of mischief shows up with them right and um and it doesn't necessarily say you know we don't always interpret it as wow my my child must not feel safe right now lots of times it is wow my child is acting really annoying right now and when we remember that this is this if this big world event has been something that they have seen or are are um are curious about it's gonna sh it's gonna show up as mischief it can show up as mischief in their behavior so talk a little bit about yeah. that how, how routines help to maintain that safety and that security for our kids so kid most kids that are you know not teens yet um they are little narcissists right like this is their job right now not teens um, what <laughs> and when they get to be teens, it turns into something different. It's still all about them, but um, yeah, maybe it just goes all the way through. But it, it changes a little, right, when they're teens. Um, it's their job to think about their own safety and to think about how you are going to keep them safe, right? Mm -hmm. And so by, by sticking with your routine, by following through with stuff that you said you were going to do, that really reassures them that oh okay mom or dad they're, they're pretty comfortable like things are going on as normal you know for instance I knew that it would probably be really important for me to be on time to pick up my daughter on Monday afternoon from mm -hmm. school you know sticking with the stuff that happens all the time and if you say you're going to do something make sure you actually do it you know mm -hmm. during these kind of high tension times um but yeah, it really, it feeds into exactly what you're saying. Just the sense of I need to be secure. And as, as long as I see everything going on around me as normal, I'm going to relax. My body's going to relax. I'm not going to, you know, kind of feed into the anxiety that I might still be feeling. Yeah. And so they do have all these questions, right? Questions yeah. about are they, you know, will terrorists come here? Are terrorists going to come to our city? And, you know, how do we maintain integrity around not lying to our kids? Because there's a lot of unknowns. And I'm not going to paint a doomsday picture by any means, but 
you know, there's a lot yeah. of unknowns. So how do we manage, how do we navigate that in a way that's helpful and forwarding for our kids, but also honors the fact that we, we can't say that it's never going to happen in their life or never going to, you know, it won't be a family member, you know? Right. Well, and I think just that, you know, a lot of those questions, I think they will be, you know, some individual choice about how people are comfortable answering them, but a reassurance is that you don't have to answer every question. Mm. Sometimes it's okay to say, I don't know right now. And I agree with you that I'm thinking about the same thing or I think it's scary. Yeah. You know, and I love you and I'm here to keep you safe. Um, I think we have to ask ourselves, you know, depending on the child, what is their capacity and what is their level of interest in this, right? We don't want to impose our own framework on our children. Um, We have to respond at their level because, you know, if we assume that they're feeling what we're feeling, we're really kind of missing that connection piece. Um, So I just jumped ahead there, but I think... um, you know, it depends on the kid level. So uh, maybe a few examples would be yeah, good. for that'd be awesome. Yeah. Um, you know, as so we already talked about kind of the under five, under six crowd, it's it's not likely you're going to get into discussion about this one, this topic. Um, but for around that age, you know, six, seven, eight, I think you can keep it pretty simple um, and talk about things that might feel a little more black and white to us as adults, but talking about, you know, quote, bad people, and then reassuring with the idea of there's lots of people and systems in place to protect us and keep us safe. Um, Can I I jump in? Can I jump in? Mm -hmm. Only because I just was reading an article in Psychology Today by Eileen Kennedy Moore, um, and she tells a story of working with a young girl with anxiety, and they actually, just because this fits great with that idea that there's a lot of people in the world keeping our kids safe, and she did this exercise with this little girl and asked her, and I'll put a link to this article in the show notes for listeners, for you guys, um, who keeps you safe? And she drew a stick figure of the little girl and said, who keeps your, you safe? And the little girl said, my mom and dad. And so she drew stick figures above the little girl with the mom and dad. And who else? And the little girl said, well, my aunts, my uncles, my grandparents. So then she added stick figures. Well, who else? And then she got to outer circles, right? Police, firefighters, the helpers in the community. Well, who else? And this little girl happened to say, well, the army, right? And so the, you know, so it just kind of created this ever more secure circle of, you know, protection or security around this little girl who was having a hard time managing her anxiety and didn't feel safe. So there's another, you know, that I thought that was really neat and um, something that I, you know, may employ with my 10 year old if need be, because I think it's a really great visual. Could be a great activity. And we'll also put a link to um, the Purple Wagon website because they have a bunch of activities like like this that you can do with your kids at home to either make it visual or make narrative or whatever works um, for your kid. Awesome. Um, Purple wagon? Yes. Okay. I'll send it to you. Okay. Perfect. (laughs) Um, So I'm going to just jump to the next kind of age range. Yeah, do it. You know, elementary, um, the kind of 8 to 12 era. Mm -hmm. era. 
Um, <laughs> I think, you know, so we already talked about how these kids have, so, you know, some more emotional and, you know, intellect capacity. They can kind of think about things the way that we can think about them, but they also have these big imaginations. Um, so I think you can talk about at least this event a little bit more detail of saying there, there are people that use violence to impose their ideas on other people, things like that. I mean, mm -hmm. obviously this is going to be individual to the families, what they think, but this ties into something that we talk about a lot in positive discipline, which is talking about anger and that anger is okay. Anger is okay to feel. Using anger to hurt someone else is not okay, right? So that's a value in our family that we talk about, right? It's okay to be really, really mad right now. It is not okay to throw your notebook across mm -hmm. the room um, because that's going to hurt somebody or something. Um, and so even for the younger kids, I think you can use, you know, the under eight crowd, you can use that example of mm -hmm. how these are some people who feel anger and they're using it in this way that, that isn't good. Um, and then I think... A lot of those kids will be satisfied with that. With some, they won't, right? They'll want to keep going, um, and they're going to want someone to blame. And, um, you know, I've seen a lot of people writing about how it, this is an opportunity for parents to separate the actions of a group that did something horrendous from a community. Um, and that for these older kids, that's a conversation you can get into about how the actions of the few are not reflection of the many. Um, and for teens, I think you can also start talking about freedom of expression, that this, that as an idea, you can talk about historical things, you know, teenagers for their whole teen life have been hearing about deployments, right? Like they understand yeah. some of the stuff that's been going on. So in you can world. put that in context yeah. for them. Yeah. This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. So as the weather warms up, we're outside gardening or doing yard work. There are so many opportunities for skin issues, right? And for me, it's always a mystery to know what's going to irritate my skin, but I'm definitely out there itching and scratching. But the good news is active skin repair always seems to save the day. Active skin repair can be used to treat a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, and other types of skin damage. It's also safe and non-toxic, making it suitable for use on all skin types, all parts of the body, and even on rosacea, eczema, and acne-prone skin. Here's what I want you to do. Visit ActiveSkinRepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and get 20% off your order when you use code JOYFUL. Again, that's www.ActiveSkinRepair.com. Find out more about the product and get 20% off your order when you use the code JOYFUL. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it but I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. 
And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. So one of my other questions from a listener, um, I'm just going to pull it up really quick. Um, Curious how to talk to kids about the hateful things people are saying in response to what had happened. I think you just spoke into that a little bit, right? The actions of a few versus the community. But even beyond that, diminishing people for fear mongering doesn't address their valid fears. So I think what she's speaking into is, so there's this whole event that happened in Paris, and then there's this separate yet related event of the way that we are now holding conversations and demonizing each other based on our opinions, right? And so I think that's what she's trying to go to here. So she said, um, it's diminishing people's shared humanity, that's at the root of every tragedy. And she says, so I don't feel at all justified declaring certain presidential candidates heartless idiots because that only models more disrespect, dehumanization, and name calling. How do we talk about people who do bad things without making them out as less than human? Great question, right? It's hard. It's really good <laughs> and hard. And I think, you know, one of the go-tos there would be to to be starting to talk about um you know, our family values are different than that person's. And, you know, here in our family, we talk about this, this, and this, and, um, you know, that person has a different way of looking at it. Mm -hmm. And I think this also, though, speaks to the danger of, you know, or the seduction, right, of media, and that it's out there, and that a lot of these conversations are really just beyond what kids can can process. Mm You know, and, and I don't know the ages that we're talking about for this specific question, but um, I think as we talked about earlier is that, you know, our agenda, I think, is often to let our kids know what our view of the world is and our perspective and how we don't like those, the people who are saying these things, but um, it might not be something they're ready for. It might not be something that yeah. they need to be tuned into. And so I think it's checking with that first. Well, and it's Which interesting thing they need to be part of. Yeah, and the interesting thing at our house was, you know, whenever we talk about kids that um, aren't very nice or are hurtful to my kids, you know, the conversation comes back to eventually gets back to that place of, you know, it might be a really hard life for that kid. You know, we don't know the story that's going on for that kid. And I found myself in conversation with my 12 year old saying, yeah, you know, all I keep thinking about is what a sad life these people must have had. To be willing to go out and not value human life and to be willing to blow themselves up, some of them, she brought that up. Mm-hmm. Um, I said, all I can think about is what, how much pain must exist with that level of discouragement and anger and hate. Um, so that was my approach that was a conversation that I had with my 12 year old simply because she said did you know that some of the people strapped bombs to themselves Mm -hmm. god 
And I think so she's wanting explanation for that, right? Yeah. And she's wanting some context for that. And I think that what, you know, we all feel this pull to do is to falsely reassure, you mm-hmm. know, and I think instead of doing that, what you're doing, you were doing is giving her some context and giving her some ways to, you know, wrap her mind around it in a bigger picture way. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, this is a hard conversation to have. Thank you so mm-hmm. much, though, for being willing to come on and uh, share your vast knowledge on kids and um, your experience there in Chicago with the French community. Is there anything else that you think that for parents to remember to help their kids feel a sense of security or, or moving forward from here, is there anything else that you'd like to share? I, I think the only other thing that we maybe didn't touch on is um, is how sensitive our kids are to our reactions to things. Oh, let's and, touch on that. Yeah, I yeah. think, um, but I think we've been talking about it and that, you know, our kids come to us with questions and they probably watch us watch the news or they watch us in our reactions. And like we talk about in our positive discipline classes, children are great um, perceivers and poor interpreters. And so for really young kids, seeing how upset or angry or distracted you might be, it's really going to be easy for those kids to interpret that as something about them, right? Mm-hmm. So they're, they're focused on themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that also is something that can be a, a place for conversation around, um, oh, you know, I'm upset or I'm sad about this and explaining it and I'm not mad at you. Um, that's yeah. something I think a lot of kids are, you know, maybe struggling with or not understanding. Um, when they see the reactions, you know, if they happen to see their parents watching the news or finding out about any of this stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. Good point. Important. Well, Monica, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Is there any, where can people find you? How can people get in touch with you? If this has sparked a question or a, a, a desire to reach out, what would be the best way to get a hold of you? Our website is windycitypsychology.com, and you can contact me through that. Uh, you could also find me on Psychology Today, just searching for Monica Holiday. Yeah. Awesome. Good. And I'm going to put, we're going to compile a bunch of articles and add them yes. to the show notes as well. And I'll put a link to your website there as well. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. And thank you, listeners. Yeah. We are all doing our best, right? And trying to help our kids make sense of the world around them. And sometimes it's, you know, happy things and sometimes it's not. So, uh, again, appreciating you so much, Monica, and all of you for listening. If you have any questions or feedback, remember that you can um, chime in on the Live in Love with Joyful Courage Facebook page and send me personal emails at Casey at JoyfulCourage.com or um, leave a comment at the end at the bottom of the show notes. That works too. Thanks so much, Monica. Thank you. Have a great day. Oh, that's a tough topic to talk about, isn't it? Um... Yeah, I'm going to put a bunch of other articles, uh, links to articles in the show notes for this week's show. I think I might have already said that, but I wanted to tell you again. I appreciate this this community so much and just know that we're always here to support each other. So 
anytime there are things that show up in your parenting, in your life, in your world, and you feel stuck on how to talk about it with your child or what to do, please don't ever feel like you can't reach out. I mentioned the Live in Love with Joyful Courage Facebook group. Just search for Live in Love with Joyful Courage on Facebook and you'll see the group and you'll be prompted to ask to join and I will say yes and you will be a part of the group and a part of the conversation and a part of a community of parents that really is holding each other and supporting each other through all the good stuff, through all the bad stuff. So come be a part of it. Um, Let us know who you are. And don't forget that this weekend is the Subscribe-a-thon contest. I'm super excited. And it's only those of you that have subscribed to the podcast that um, are going to be alerted about the show, the short show that'll go out on Thanksgiving Day. So make sure in the next couple days that you subscribe. All right. Big love to each and every one of you. Have a wonderful, wonderful week. Hugs and kisses to your families. Mwah. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips.